I think I'd rather die in nuclear war than go to Olean. <laughs> Penn State was in the Atlantic. <laughs> Tired. Mark Whipple was a bad coach at UMass. Wired. Charlie Molnar was a bad coach at UMass. Inspired. <laughs> Kevin Morris was a bad coach at UMass. <laughs> Hey everybody, it is Sunday, November the 6th, one night before the start of UMass basketball season. We've been waiting for this season, this 2022-2023 season, and by the way, this is Curry Hicks-Age coming to you, well not live, because by the time you hear it, it will have been recorded, but it's about 9.15, so right around this time, Oh, no, I guess the game starts at 7.30. So, like, 15 minutes from now, 24 hours from now. So, 24 hours and 15 minutes from now, which is almost exactly a night away. We will probably be doing a Twitter Spaces about the first UMass game. UMass takes on Central Connecticut State tomorrow night. I confess I know absolutely nothing about the Blue Devils. I believe they're coached by Patrick Sellers now. Could be making that up. I think he was, was he on the Lapis staff at UMass? I don't know. I try to forget that era. Needless to say, a few people, or at least one person, I'd like to pretend it was a few because that makes me feel uh, more important, but at least one person was like, you got to drop a pod before the season, a preview pod. And, you know, we've done, I don't even, I don't even want to count I don't even want to proffer a guess on how many hours of preview content we've done since Frank was hired. Mostly on Twitter spaces, the audio version of Twitter for those who are not familiar with it. Because I do realize as much as like the diehards pretty much all listen to the Twitter spaces, there's a lot of people who listen to the show who don't know that that platform exists. And so I should just note that if you ever want to listen live uh, to my musings or, or those of many others on UMass Twitter, you should check out Twitter spaces after a game or various other nights when I do it. But we've gone through every permutation of the lineup and just the schedule and, you know, how it's going to work with Frank in the beginning. And, you know, we've, we've really talked it all out. So the idea of kind of a formal preview podcast is, is strange I want to get Stu Ludicky, friend of the show, on for an Atlantic 10 preview. I feel like we've done it before, and then I've, like, forgotten to upload it. And some years we've done it, some years we haven't. We should definitely do that when that time comes because he, he keeps close tabs on the rest of the league but still has kind of a UMass-centric perspective. He does a very good job of maintaining uh, objectivity, but he's still a UMass guy, and he's a UMass Twitter guy, so... We will get him, I hope, before the Atlantic 10 season starts. Now, that being said, the formal preview of kind of here's the players, this is the kind of show that is for the diehards, I realize. And I guess I could do a formal preview, but if you're, you know, where it's like, here are the point guards, here are the shooting guards, like, you know, what to expect. Um... I think most of the listeners know that that's not really my style. And so what I decided a moment ago, because I was like, you know, fuck it, let's do a preview. I said, give me in honor of the 2022, 2023 season, I'll take the first 23 questions or 22 questions and I'll make predictions. Originally, before I put that out, I was thinking, you know what I'll do? I'll do 
22 or 23 questions I'm looking at this season and how those could, you know, the answers to those could determine the fate of the season. But ultimately, if you do that, you sort of don't put yourself on the hook for any accountability because you just have so many things out there. If you force yourself to answer people's questions, I feel like there's there's something we can come back to, and it'll be kind of funny. I hope somebody reminds me to come back to this at the end of the year because who knows how many I'll get right. But this, before we get started, let's just get some things straight. This show, of course, as always, being brought to you by the fine folks at Five College Movers, world-class, stress-free moving in the Pioneer Valley and well beyond. They have an office in Saratoga Springs now. They're they're prominent in the Boston area. If you're going anywhere, go with Five College, friends of the podcast, friends of UMass Athletics, friends of UMass Basketball, and now friends or initiators, I should say, is initiator a word, of the Mass Collective, which is the NIL, name, image, and likeness, Collective, where UMass fans were close to 100 thus far, we want to get up to like 250 by the Harvard game, uh, are donating as little as $5 a month to fund a name, image, and likeness collective where we will then pay players um, and hopefully use it to retain some of the players that have a fantastic season this year. So if we want to compete nationally, I think this is the way to go. I also think, and I've said this before, there is a real community element to this and a democratic small d element to this in that we will probably vote on things. It will be kind of the modern day internet fueled booster club. I think it's long overdue and I'm really excited to be part of it. I strongly encourage you to join. Okay, let's get right into the questions. First one up that I see is from Ken Pease, KJPs up in the Berkshires. Why aren't there more? Oh, that's actually not a prediction question. So sorry, Ken, I love you, but I can't predict something that's already been created. He asked, why aren't there more games on weekends uh, due to varying, various schedule quirks that are largely out of our hands because the A-10 sets the schedule. And I think it was a little tricky to get games um, given that there's a new coach that was, but I would expect that to change next year. Okay. Michael Bergman asks, this is number one, which freshman will average the most minutes per game this season? And this is a hard one because of the three freshmen, Tafara Gapare from New Zealand, the jewel of the class from a raw talent perspective by way of New Zealand, 6'11 can do a whole lot, but is pretty raw when he starts, um, at least physically, not skill-wise. He's tremendously skilled. Tafara Gapare is one, uh, and Keon Thompson, the point guard, is two, uh, and then RJ Luis is three, the wing. In terms of answering this question, I feel like the the best way to do it is not necessarily to look at who do you think is going to contribute the most, but what position do they need contributions from the most and sort of where the minutes go. It's also kind of an impossible question to predict because injuries are going to inform this. Inevitably, there will be some injuries and or other matters. Taquan Woodley, has it will now not be with the team this year. So they are now without a 
pretty solid big man who was I expected to get between 15 and 20 minutes a night. And that just means that I think I'm going to say Gapare because other than Conte and Wild- Con- uh, Isaac Conte and Wildens Levesque, your only other true big at this point is, um, you know, sort of that can, I mean, he's not really a true big, but Gapare will, will probably have to play some minutes down low now. And I just think, I know he's raw, a little bit raw physically, and I know he got here late, but I don't know, because like Keon Thompson is very much ready to go right now, physically, but Noah is also going to get the most minutes, so it's tricky. I don't know that they would go with two two kind of guys, you know, six foot, six one and under that much, and so I think Noah will play a lot. So, and then Luis, you know, you've got Diggins, TJ to an extent, Matt Cross to an extent, Gapare. Because of Gapare's versatility, I think I'm going to pick him. Maybe I kind of just want to will that to happen because he is so exciting. Um, but I'm going to pick Gapare. It's a good question. Eric Friedlander asks, more total points by the end of the year. DD, which I presume means DeAndre Dominguez, or TG, Tafara Gapare? That's a great question. Because the off-season buzz and the, the performance in the exhibition game suggests that DeAndre Dominguez has made dramatic improvements to his game, and he even led the team in, in pounds gained in the offseason. I'm told he gained 23 pounds. Uh, so he's gotten a lot stronger. I still think, you know, I don't know because this is such a good question. Because it's a junior who's here all summer, who worked on his craft. But I, I feel like Kapari is too talented. They're both going to be probably around the five to eight mark, and I'm just going to pick Kapare. And some of this is just because, like, if Kapare is anywhere close to what he can be, then UMass is a, is a very special team potentially, right? Now, I don't know if he will be. I truly don't, especially as a freshman. But I think as a fan, this is where my brain is just kind of in that will-it-to-happen mode. And so irresponsibly, perhaps, I'm going to go with the freshman. Question three. The old Trevmeister in Richmond, Virginia says, more likely UMass over 1.5 wins in the Myrtle Beach Invitational or USA opening World Cup game win against England that following Monday? Whew. That's, I'm going to say over 1.5 wins because I think, well, no, that's tough. So what he's getting at, let's just sort of, hash this out a bit. The first game's against Colorado. That's going to be a tough game. Basically, the first two games, no matter what, are going to be tough games. But, but so wait, so he's asking, like, they, let's say they win one there and UMass uh, and the U.S. loses. That's not relevant. More So you can't really answer this, right? Like, it's because there's outcomes that might not be uh, encompassed in 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 the prediction. So I'm gonna say. So what's more? So like that's not really a prediction. You can't definitively say. But provided the scenario plays out, I'm going to say 
UMass over 1.5 wins is more likely. Because I think there's probably a 50-50 shot of them taking one of the first two and a fairly good shot at taking the third. And there's a minimum shot of the U.S. winning. I think they could tie. So I guess I'll say that, but I, I don't really... Is that, that's maybe like third question, but maybe I'll call it the second. I, maybe I won't count it. Mark C. Well, Mark, it's, it's M-A-R-C is the display name. It's Zig2K. We'll call this the third question. Average minutes per game for Gapare by the A-10 tournament. So interesting already the fan base sort of, I think having seen some of the video of him early and, and having heard Frank talk in glowing terms about him, a lot of Gapare hype is is the, the background noise for this this episode to some extent. Average minutes per Gapare, for Gapare by the A-10 tournament. I'm going to say... Meaning, like, essentially in the 30 games they play before the A-10 tournament, I will say he averages 17.2. And it may be, like, 9 and 10 to start and 25 or so as we get later on in the year. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, but I'll say 17.2. It, it, but it, mm, uh, I'm not up that. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say 18.1. 18.1, final answer. Question four, also from Mark. Average attendance before winter break versus after winter break. Now, I don't know when winter break officially starts and how many games they have. I think there's only four in the non-conference. And one of them might be like December 20th or something when winter break already starts. So I actually, the, the, the answer most people would say is like, oh, it's going to be, um, more. So wait, does that mean essentially that winter break itself doesn't count, right? So you have before winter break, and then after winter break, and anything in intercession doesn't count. I'll, I'll choose to interpret the question that way. Which, by the way, is when I, if I'm not mistaken, the bulk of their home games actually take place. But be that as it may, I think the first few will probably draw fairly well. I think you'll have like. Five, six thousand early. So I'm going to say uh, fifty, three hundred even before, and then after if they're playing well and they have Dayton and a couple others. But like, so the roadie game doesn't count because it's during winter break. Um, so I'll say like after winter break, I'll say like ultimately I will say a little bit higher because if they're having a good season and they have a couple weekend games like. That'll help. I'll say uh, 5650. Um, so that was, I guess, question four. Brendan Fraser fan, Real Mike 91. He says, Who is your new Debaji Walker? It's not really a prediction question, but in terms of someone that like doesn't quite perform at the level I, ex- I think they can talent wise. Uh, but I'm like really high on and has a couple moments where they're like really, really good. I would say, I guess this is a prediction question. We'll count that as five. We'll have to figure out who that is, though, in the year. Uh, it's like, it's a hard one because someone like Conte and Wildens, like those bigs who are just going to get points and rebounds, they're not really like a, De- a debaji. Let's just, for those who don't recall or who are new to UMass basketball, debaji, I would define, I think it would be fair to say, as like, 
a high upside guy who didn't quite put it all together. I think sometimes due to injury, sometimes due to his own challenges on the court, sometimes due to McCall, but for whatever reason, he didn't, but you know, there was some spectacular moments along the way. I remember a great game against like St. Louis, um, you know, but so who's that guy? Essentially a guy that like I'm high on against my better judgment and people give me shit for it on Twitter. I would say fuck it. I'm just going to say Gapare so that it doesn't happen because, but I don't really think it's fair because with Gapare, I'm going to say it with the caveat that it's not fair because with Gapare, I've been very much like, Hey, you have to give him some time. Debaji came in having played for Bergeron in high school, having played a season at Cleveland State, and he sort of like, and he was on a team that was really young and he was going to get a bunch of minutes because they didn't have many better options that first year. He didn't play until after intercession, you'll recall, which was one of many factors that stifled his development here. But alas, um, I hope he has a great season at Appalachian State. Um, But... Like, that's very different than Gapare, who I'm explicitly saying, like, hey, because he just showed up, because he came from, you know, had to deal with visa challenges and hasn't been there to practice and all that. I'm kind of like, and because they're really deep and they have a lot of senior and veteran leadership, I'm loath to be like, to to put him in that camp. That being said, his talent is through the roof, probably certainly higher than Debaji's regarded as a top 40 recruit by some services. So, and you've seen the early tape and anybody who's seen it kind of is like, oh shit, that's tantalizing. I'm still going to say him though, just because. I think that's our fifth question. Question six, Rob, a thought. But it's like, that one's a pretty objective one, in the, a subjective one in that like later in the year, you guys will have to be the ones to settle the, this one, like as to who I actually chose during the year. Because I'm not going to just, pick somebody so I can like say I got one of the questions during the preview right. Rob a thought, R-O-B a thought, says over under win total, predicting returning players for 2024, who on the roster will have 20 plus plus 20 point games, best win of the year. I'm just going to take the first one. If I can't find 23 questions, then I'll go back and do the others. So this is what our sixth question, over under win total. I mean, I think, I think you're basically saying like, that's that's a line, not like a. It's like if I'm. Are you asking me like how many? Um, let's take another question because it's like that's a little ambiguous. He says it on one of his. He says, "Who on the roster will have twenty plus have plus twenty point games? Uh, who will have? I presume he means the most twenty point twenty plus point games." And I will say. I'm going to say Noah just because – actually, yeah, I'm going to say Noah. I don't necessarily think he'll be the leading scorer. I think Matt Cross might be. But I think Matt Cross is going to have a lot of 16-point nights, and Noah will have a few 26-point nights. So that's sometimes a deceiving metric, but I'm going to say Noah. We'll call that my sixth question. Seventh question from Minute Fan JSF. He says, average points and shooting percentage allowed in conference as well as whole schedule. Again, that's like four questions, so I'm going to pick one just because I want to do 23 total. Average points allowed in conference. I'm a, that's what I'm going to answer. I say 
67 point nine. It's probably that's a little low. I mean that's really good defense, but I'm gonna say sixty-seven point nine. Question eight, also for Mark. UMass leading scorer this season. I am going to say Matt Cross. I think it'll be very close. I think Matt Cross, Noah Fernandez, Wilden Slovak, Conte, and potentially one uh, TJ and potentially one other will all be in the eight point seven to thirteen point seven range kind of thing. And I bet you Cross just just narrowly tops Noah, but I could totally be wrong. Uh, question nine: Ross R O. SS underscore the boss says first player to score in the 2022, 2023 season. Now that's a good question. It's just straightforward. It's like straight up prediction question. And I'm going to say Isaac Conte. Actually, no, I'm not because I bet you they start. I don't know if they'll start both of them. I'm going to say Wilden's Levesque. Uh, he's played a lot of college games. They're going to try to dump it down and establish position early. And I bet you he, he scores, but it could be Noah on like, you know, he gets the tip, he goes down, pulls up for like a floater from the foul line. Man, I'm excited. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Wildens. Um I think that's nine. So question ten. Chris Scherer, highest reported attendance of the year. Good question. I don't know who it's gonna be against, but that but that wasn't required of me. And I'm gonna say one game this year will get, and this is ambitious. But they will draw 81-30 to a game. Maybe Rhode Island in January if they get it going. Um, there's just not a lot of weekend games, which is tough. Oh, wait. He says highest reported attendance of the year. I presume he means at home. So I've taken liberties there. But let's just, for the sake of it, say it includes a road game, too. They don't actually have any road game true road games at like a big time arena because Dayton has a huge arena we play them at home St. Louis has a big arena we play them at home VCU is only like 7300 so I think we'll exceed that at least once at Mullins Bonaventure is like 5500 6000 so we'll exceed that once at, at least once at home the three games in South Carolina are in a small gym Harvard small, tiny gym, obviously. Uh, North Texas is in Springfield. That's, you know, 7,000 or something. It's not going to sell out. Um, what else am I missing? Are there any road games? Like GW's on the road. That's a small gym. Richmond is sort of bigger, but we play them at home. Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I don't kind of an interesting data point like we may not play a game in a place with on the road with more than 7300 people this year philly you know st joseph's small la salle is small fordham is small george mason i believe we play on the road but they're not going to sell it out uh i don't know maybe i forget where we play them um roadie is not that big i yeah i i think it probably will be at the mullins be like 8100 at the mullins kind of crazy unless it's like the a10 title game and that's you know who knows so let's go i think this is question 11 uh it's from a dayton fan named jb snicker jb underscore snicker nskrs1 um he says 
Will Anthony Grant beat his good friend Frank Martin by 30 points just to prove a point on the way to winning the Natty? No. I'm confident I will be correct on that one. And also, if he does beat him by 30 and they win, they don't win the Natty, do I still get the question correct? I'm going to say yes. i got to get an easy one. UMass Reindeer, question 12, says starting five in the A-10 tournament. I feel like you got to give me, for this one, when we do the score at the end of the year, Please, someone actually make us go through this at the end of the year. And, you, and somebody can set the over-under on how many of these I get right. That would be a fun bet. We could just keep it as a UMass Twitter bet all year. I'll play whatever side you want. Starting five in the A-10 tournament. So if I get like four of five, that's four-fifths of a point. I admit this is an executive declaration. I will say Noah, TJ, Wildens, Matt Cross, and I'll say Conte. Okay, question 13 maybe? The old Trevmeister again. UMass VCU game prediction and also your general thoughts on the Rams this year. I don't have a whole lot to say about VCU. They're supposed to be good. They got a lot of dudes. They got some good transfers, I believe. I haven't done – this is why I need to see Ludicky on. I just haven't gone. There's certain A10 teams I've taken. Like I, I think so. I will say I think Dayton and St. Louis are like far and away the top two. The teams like that I think are going to be good that I don't that I have, and I think George Mason has a tremendous amount of talent. Then the two teams that I need to read up more on that I that everybody just says is good, but that I haven't done my own research on. Now I sound like a fucking QAnon person. I got to do my own research. I don't know. I don't trust the big. I don't trust the big college basketball media. I actually don't, but for different reasons. Um, yeah, so I, I, I got to do more research on on, uh, Loyola, on Loyola and VCU, so I just can't really speak to that. But to your real question, which I think, are we on question 12 or 13? I don't remember. We'll say 12. Um, my UMass VCU game prediction, uh, it took a weekday early in conference play in Richmond. That's going to be a really tough game. I say uh, 72 to 60. The three VCU wins. Now, I feel like how we're going to credit that score if I get, like, obviously I can't get that exactly right. So you got to, if I'm within, let's say if I'm within, I said it's a nine point margin. If I'm within three points in either direction, it counts as a, as, as correct. Um, first win. Blue Roller Skate asks that. Uh, that's an easy one. I would say Central Connecticut State tomorrow night. So that's that's my uh, that's my thirteenth question, maybe fourteenth. I don't know. Um, let's see what else we got here. I think there's some others that have come in. Um, hang on. Leading scorer on this year's team. I already got that question, so I'm not going to answer it again. How far do we go in the Atlantic 10 tournament from Dan Mills? Good question. I will say, because I want to believe this, not because I necessarily believe it, but I'm going to say the semifinals. I think we could be a tough out in the A-10 tournament. Frank's teams are good and tough on short rest, and he's always had some success in March. 
So I'm going to say the semifinals because I want to believe it to be true. Um, let's see. Um, someone notes that U.S. opens against Wales, but alas. Okay, here's three from UMass Paragus, as in asparagus, but it's a portmanteau. Um, is that it, portmanteau, when you combine words? What's your prediction for most minutes and or points for freshmen, transfers, returning players? Well, we got to – let's break that down. So we're on question 14, maybe, 15. Most – let's do minutes because we did points already. Oh, no, did we do minutes or points before for freshmen? I think we did points. So we'll do minutes, and I'm going to say – no, let's do it for transfers because we kind of already touched on that. So for most minutes for transfers, uh, let's see, who's a transfer? Wildens, Conte, Cross. Oh, Cross. I'm picking Cross. So I'm picking an, what I think is an easy one. Uh, but are we talking most minutes? I'm saying that as average because if anybody gets injured, that's not fair. So average, we're saying. And maybe we'll, we'll do a few more than 23 so that if, if some of these become impossible to answer because of injuries or other things, we can, we can go back and actually break it down. It's gonna be, I really want to do an episode. Someone remind me at some point. Like Put it in your notes app now. March 30th. Say, go back and discuss predictions. Like I think that's a fun – probably the spaces, but that would be a really fun thing. So put it in your calendar and be like, remind Sage March 30th because we're not going to remember this. The season goes crazy. People forget. It all becomes fleeting. We get angry. We go up. We go down. It's water under the bridge at the end. And by the way, if you're a parent of a player, a family member of a player listening to this, please do not take offense to anything I tweet throughout the season. I will try not to personalize it, but at the same time, we get wild and crazy during games. There's always one or two assholes. Ignore them. I will probably lose my shit a couple times on a couple different players. It's not personal. Just compete hard, and it's all love. Okay. So among transfers, I would say uh, Cross. He also asked returning players. I feel like Noah is a fairly easy one there. There's really only three guys returning, so I'm not even going to take that one because I want to take as many questions as I can. Um, Old Trevmeister also asks, what silly imperfection will cause UMass Twitter to prematurely melt down? A tough game we won't see coming. Any foreseeable flaw this team will have early? Uh it's tough because you're, like, trying to predict, like, sentiment of a group of people, which is not a uh, precisely quantifiable thing. It's not like, you know, how many points will someone average, which you can just objectively describe. But I still like the spirit of the question. I'm going to say, I mean, the, the consensus right now is that, like, I think there's a lot of people who are like, we're going to lose to Towson in the second game, which I'm going to try to get to, by the way. And... I that's too easy. I've sort of flagged that for months. They're like a 25-win team with a bunch of transfer, good good dudes, all these good dudes back, plus some really good transfers. So I don't really want to say that because maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, but I feel like other people have said this too. And so if it's already been flagged and warned about and everybody's kind of expecting like there to be some hiccup early from Frank, I don't know if that is the premature meltdown point. Um any foreseeable flaw this team will have early? I think just getting beat backdoor on 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 defense. They're just gonna have trouble 
watching me get beat back door a bunch as they adjust to their unique defensive style. But I'm actually not going to take any of these questions because, like, there's other questions he's gotten them in. They're good, but they're a little hard to quantify. Um, so I guess question 15 or 16 is from who will be the hair pulling out loss? This is from son of large Mark. Who will be the hair pulling loss? I'm going to take both these. So we'll call it 16 and 17. Who will be the hair pulling out loss and who will be the surprise W that nobody's expecting? Hair pulling out loss. And Frank is known for these a little bit. I don't know if it's a hair pulling out loss, but if it's it could be Harvard just because we always struggle there, and it, we're going to have so much fun that UMass Karma it's like destined it's like a rule of physics that we just like whenever we're all together and having fun it, it's a loss. Um, I'm going to choose to pick that with the hope that it doesn't happen. This is when I hope I get wrong, and whether it be hair pulling out, I don't know, but. For a variety of reasons, I'm going to say it, it will be. And who will be the surprise W that nobody is expecting? Um, I think that it will be... Hmm. Like, is nobody expecting a win over Dayton or, or St. Louis? Because they are home games. And Dayton has struggled at UMass historically... And they're going to have to – they're really good. I, I'm going to say St. Louis. I don't know how surprising that is, but certainly to, like, an impartial observer on the outside right now, that would be surprising. UMass would probably be right now, if that game were played, it would be, like, seven-point underdog, even at home. Um, so I'll say that one. So I guess we're up to question 18. George William Myers, impact player that doesn't show up on the stats sheet. Hard to quantify, so we're going to have to go to the panel of judges at the end of the year to make sure it's, it's you know, legit. But I'm going to say... Um, Brendan Martin. But there could be a few. Um, so I'm going to say that. Question 19, Jason Levitt, J. Levitt, 08, how many players average greater than 9.9 points per game and who? I'm going to take the first part of that uh, for the final panel. And I'm going to say four, but I think there'll be a couple others over eight, like 8.2 and 9.6. But I'm going to say four are over 9.9, essentially 10 or above. And who will they be? I'm not going to make the – well, let's let's make the prediction, and then we can give me – you know, it's like uh, in school when you get, like, partial credit. I'll say Noah. I'll say Wildens. I'll say TJ. And I will say Matt Cross. What are we, question 20 now? Eric, uh, Zach is God, says, what will our team three-point percentage be at the end of the year? So this, again, another one where I feel like you got to give me credit if I'm within three points in either direction. If that's unfair, let me know in advance before we go to the review. I will say 35 point. 
four. That kind of gives me a lot of leeway. I mean, to be fair, maybe it's two points in each direction. I don't know. You tell me what's fair, Zach. I think that's question 20. I don't know. 21. More total points by the end of the year. DeAndre Dominguez or Tafaro I think I answered that. I think I answered that earlier. I'm, these are like recurring now. Highest reported tendency. I had that. Let's see what else. Uh, Chris Metz says, how many techs does Frank Martin pick up this year? That's a great question. I feel like, again, you got to give me credit if I'm within... There's not many techs, so if I'm within one and a half in either direction, you got to give me credit. And I will say... Actually, no, he doesn't get many techs. He talked about this at one point. I'm going to say he gets one all year. One. Refs probably like him. He's been around. He knows how to do it. I'm going to say one. Um... I feel like there's other questions I'm not seeing. A couple are duplicates. I don't know if we got all 23. Somebody's going to have to add it up. That's my bad. Uh, let's see. I'm just seeing if there's another one. It's funny, the question. Like I got like exactly that number of questions. A lot of people asking about leading scorer. I think that's... It. So maybe I should have answered some of those others. Um, yeah, that might be it. So um, a short episode. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought this was fun. I was thinking it might go a little longer. It's worth like the 37-minute mark. Um, I don't like to cheat you. Usually I go two hours. Uh, but let's actually go over a couple other things just for the fun of it. Yeah, it looks like 26 questions came in, but some of those included, like, several. Um, so maybe I will go back to a couple more. Let's see. So Rob Thought had asked over, under, win total. And I'm just going to – I'll take that. Um, but, like, I'll just do it as how many wins total. And I'm going to count Atlantic 10 tournament and po- any postseason play here. So counting those, I'm going to say they win – 20 games. That may mean they go 18 and 12 in the regular season, 1 and 1 in the A10 tournament, and 1 1 game in the NIT. But there's some upside here. It may mean they go 21 and 9, 20 and 20 and 10 and lose in the first round. Who knows? I mean, look, this team, I've said it all along. I I really believe they could win anywhere from 14 to 24, 24 games. You know, like, and I think I'll tell you what. I think after, certainly after Towson, we will have a much better idea as to whether it's going to be closer to 14 or 24. Because not even if they lose to Towson, but they look good doing it and just like miss some shots or right, like, I think a lot of what I'm looking for is just like early on is kind of how much continuity and like flow is there early, you know? Um, Because if they're just good enough to withstand, you know, not having been together terribly long, that's a really good sign because the rest will come. But if they look really out of sorts, then it may be an indication that it's just going to take a little while to get that continuity in place. And it's concerning only in the sense that 
you know, you just look at the schedule and you don't want to look too far ahead, but the first two games, if if you win them and you're two and zero, you're going. You have a week off to prepare for a Pac-12 team at a neutral site. And you know, if you can somehow like steal that one or the one after it, and steal two in Myrtle Beach, like you're cooking. You're four and one, good win, a win against a good Towson team, and you're like, let's. Go like, and then you got like another. I think you got a bunch of days off again before you go to USF. But this, conversely, the early slate, man. If you lose to Towson, you're one and one. You go down to South Carolina, you go one and two. You come out of there, you're two and three. Now you got to fly down to um the decent USF team this year on the road. Like after coming back from like Thanksgiving. Then you're two and four. Then you got to kind of hustle home and get to Harvard for a Friday night game, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a tricky stretch, right? Um, where you could, for a new group, to come right out of the gate and have a bunch of teams that are like decent to good when you're figuring your shit out. You know, like. You're you're it's not inconceivable that you're staring down the barrel of two and five. I mean, I've heard even I could imagine even worse. I could imagine one and six. Like that being said, there's no world beaters in there, right? USF won eight games last year. Yeah, they revamped and brought in a you know a new starting five of like power five kids to save their coach's job and they're but they're going to be figuring their shit out too. Um, but they're going to be at home. It's a flight. You know, it's like, it's right after Thanksgiving, right? Like you think, if you think about it, the team comes out of South Carolina that Sunday, they, they hustle back to campus. I presume like, you know, get there either Sunday night, Monday morning. And then the kids are like, I don't know. Do they go home for Thanksgiving? Um, right. Like, and then they got to come back to campus and then fly down to Florida. Like these are the things you have to think really carefully about. I think when you're, when you're talking about, you know, how the season's going to go, it's not just like, like if you, if you had every one of these teams in the same exact location, they were all, you know, it was like a COVID year, let's say and they were all at the Remember, Mohegan sun had like all the teams there, whatever. You just had them all there and you were, okay, here's a week, here's three days, here's whatever. Nobody goes home. Whatever. That's a totally different universe you're dealing with but now like okay you take a tough loss to Towson you kind of get banged around in South Carolina you win only one game down there guys are a little frustrated you get freshmen who go home for a couple days for Thanksgiving now they come back like there's just a lot to to think about in that early part of the season I think once you get through that Harvard game on a Friday it gets more manageable you have some time you have you have Albany um, and then like some easier games a little time off before North Texas, I mean, North Texas is not easy, right? But um, but we're going to know, but like the thing is, if you can show that you're good early and you kind of like come out of Harvard and you're like six and one, I mean, now you're just humming. Everybody's like, yo, we gotta, we're going to get 23 wins this year. We're going to like, you know, and then, and then it's, so I don't even know what the question was, but um. Yeah, uh, let's see if I got any new ones. I don't know if I have any new ones either, but 
I, I just, yeah, when you talk about how many total wins for the year, it's just, uh, that's the challenge. I think, the, I think the first, let me just go to the schedule one more time. I apologize sincerely. Because, man, like, it's not like other teams aren't going to be facing some of the same dynamics. It's just, you're not opening, let's just be blunt. You're not, Central Connecticut sucks, right? But you're not opening the year with, you know, and I, and I sure do hope, <laughs> I'm not regretting that. Like, if we lose tomorrow night, everything we've said for eight months is just, like, out the window. And I, and I don't care that it's Frank's first game. You can't lose to Central. Uh, at home, and you just can't can't do it. Inexcusable. Um, and if you can't handle that as pressure, then it's like, well, what are you even doing here, right? So you're you're a currently a 16 point favorite. I mean, you know. So Towson is tough. Colorado is tough. If you beat Colorado, you probably play Texas A&M. Even if you don't, you play Boise State, who's like I think was in the tournament last year. They're really legit. So you could easily lose your first two in South Carolina, and you could easily lose to Towson. So you could easily be one and three. I assume you get the third game down there. You'd be two and three, let's say. This is if it's, like, not an ideal scenario. USF, you could easily lose that game. Two and four, you head to Harvard. I think you probably find – we find a way to give them the juice, and they win it, three and four. You come home. You have Albany. should win that game, four and four. You have Lowell. So that's nice, right? You get Albany, Lowell. Like, and that's why I was saying if you can – Get out of South Carolina somehow with two wins and beat Towson. You know, you've got nine days before South Florida. You know, you got a real nice chunk of time there to work on things. You travel down there, you win that game, and you just hustle up to Harvard. We give them the edge they need, and you're like six and one, you know? Uh, wait, would it be six? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six and one. Now you come home. Albany and Lowell, that's fucking sweet. Eight and one. Hofstra and Brooklyn could win that game, nine and one. And then you got six days off before North Texas at, at the at the Mass Mutual Center. There's a university in which you win that game, you're ten and one. Dartmouth to end non conference eleven and one. That's like the dream. The more likely scenario is you like I, I, that's why I really want to beat Towson. I just really want to get that game because it would show that okay, this team is as is good enough now to win these like slightly fifty fifty games, and then maybe you could steal. Like, even if you then go down into South Carolina, like even if you go down there and win one, you're still out of there at three and two. And even if you go to, um. South Florida and lose, you're still 500. I think you go into Harvard and win that game. You're four and three, then five and three, six and three. I think you do beat Hofstra, seven and three. It's not automatic. Like Hofstra or North Texas, one of those games you probably find a way to lose. Seven and four, Dartmouth, eight and four. So like eight and four, I feel like is where they should be. Um, but there's a universe in which 11 and one is very attainable, and there's also a universe in which Worst case scenario, you know, you lose to Towson, you lose, I think I'd win one in South Carolina. You lose two, you lose South Florida or Harvard, that's four. You lose, like, like you know, there, you lose to North Texas and, and, and 
Hosser, both at neutral sites. So there's there's a there's a universe in which you're five and seven. There really is. And there's a universe in which you're eleven and one, and there's a universe in which you're eight and four. And so I'm just really hoping for the eight and four. Or steal a couple, you know, steal another one and get to nine and three. I'd be very content with nine and three. Um, and that may be like a tough Sunday night loss in Brooklyn to Hofstra. Um, who knows? But uh, if they could, if they could win the first two and somehow come out two and one in South Carolina, I'd feel really confident about like the South Florida game and the Harvard game and the North Texas game. I just feel like okay, they're better than a fifty-fifty sort of group at that point. And I do think the talent is there. I really do. Um, let's see if I have any more. Casey Glick, over under .400 points of win percentage between home and road. That's really fucking complicated, dude. Do you mean like if they're if they're so if they were if they were undefeated at home, it'd be a hundred percent winning percentage, and then that would mean like would there be more? Okay, so there'd be like sixty. Basically, you know, would they be 59% wins on the road? That's a good question. I'll, I'll fucking entertain it because we're here. Why not kill some time? Uh, I'm going to count that only as true road games, not neutral sites, because we have five neutral site games. So let's just do true home games. I'll say Central Connecticut is a win. Towson, I'm going to say, is a win, even though it may not be. Uh, I'm just going to do all home games first. Albany's a win. Lowell's a win. It's four. So four and oh. Then conference home games. They have a lot of tough ones. St. Louis, I'll say, is a loss. Just for, like, I don't know if they'll lose it, but it'll be like they'll lose one of They'll win. Uh, so they have like the three best teams in the league, arguably. Loyola, St. Louis, and Dayton at home. All of them. I'll say they win one of those three for sure, and then they beat LaSalle. So, like, that's another one. So that's five plus LaSalle is six. I think they beat Rhodey is seven. Richmond is eight. Duquesne is nine. Davidson is ten. Loyola, we'll say, is is the other one, 11. We'll say they lose to... Like, fuck, I don't know how many this is. How many have I counted? Let me just do it again. Uh, basically, let's say they go, I'll say they go six and, I'll say they go seven and two at home because I'll be optimistic. So 11 and two, but I'll say they somehow find a way to go 10 and three. So what's that? 10 out of 13, the winning, this is a fucking complicated question, dude. 10 out of 13 is 76.9. And now let's do true road games, which would be 12 of. And I will say they win one of Harvard Harvard or South Florida, so that's one and one. They beat Bonaventure, two and one. Beat GW, three and one. Lose to VCU. Was that, what did I, what am I up to, three and two? Lose to, no, they beat St. Joe's four and two. Um, lose to Mason four and three. Beat Fordham five and three. Beat LaSalle six and three. Lose to Rhodey six and four. 
beat Duquesne seven and four. Wait, so eleven. I'm missing a game here. I'll just say they go seven and five, but that's that's fucking hard. I, I'm just gonna say that they'll drop somewhere along the way. They'll six. So what did I say? I said ten and three. So it'll be sixteen. Then the neutral site games. Let's say that counts for like three more wins. So they get like to nineteen and eleven, eighteen and twelve, something like that. So I'll just say if there's twelve, I'll say they go six and six. So that's fifty percent. Seventy six point nine is substantially less. So I'll take the under on forty percentage points. Um, and I think I could have just done that more simply, but I wanted to break it down in a granular fashion. Uh, is there any others? I think that's about it. That really is about it. Um, listen, I am not going to the opener. I'm going to really try to get up for Towson. Candidly, I like, so my kids are all, nobody cares, but you can listen if you find this interesting. For those of you with small children, you'll understand. My kids are, man, it's fucking weird just to be a dad. I feel so old when I say that, but wow. Um, my kids are... I'm exhausted. My kids are, uh, let's see, um, off on Tuesday because of the election day. It's like some like parent-teacher conference thing. And then they're off on Friday. My wife is off on Friday for Veterans Day with them. I'm not. So I and our babysitter, one of them got COVID, so she can't be here Tuesday. So unfortunately, I have to like, bang a day at work on Tuesday to stay with my kids. And I was going to use that to like leave work early on Thursday and go up to Massachusetts for the Towson game. And now I'm just like dreading the conversation tomorrow. Even though I'm close to my boss, it's just like a tricky one thre- needle to thread. Um, so, cause I, I work in person. So, um, yeah, I'm going to try to get there, man. I am. It's just, I got to have that conversation. I have a playoff softball game tomorrow night, Monday, at six, there's an hour time limit. So I'm probably going to cab back from the game to make sure that I'm there for the start. Um, try to do the roll call as I'm in the cab. If it goes to extra innings, that's where I am. Um, but, you know, have a great time. Be loud. Enjoy it. If you need to give your tickets away to someone who's looking, hit me on Twitter. I'll retweet as much as I can tomorrow. I offered Tyler O'Day, friend of the show, my tickets because he might be there. If he doesn't take them, I might have mine up, mine available as well. So uh, I guess I could have done a mailbag tonight too, but these were these were the preview questions. So I hope that gives you a little bit of uh, stuff to, to, to stew on as the season gets started. It's so – it's going to be so interesting – to connect. I mean, like, this is just the exciting part of the year, right? Like, it really is because we've waited so long for this season in particular, and there's been so many moments this off season that have been momentous feeling, right? Obviously, starting with Frank's hire, um, you know, then Wildens and, and Rasul Diggins, um, signing kind of quickly, uh, then, you know, TJ, Noah, DeAndre coming back, um, 
you know, then Keon Thompson signing, um, then RJ Luis, and then of course Gapare late in the summer was like was quite thrilling, and then Gapare the drama around Gapare getting there, and and then him finally arriving, and you know Frank doing the show and all the spaces stuff and the launch of the collective. I mean, it's been it's pretty amazing to to sort of um, step back for a moment and just kind of look at all that's happened over the last eight months. It feels in many ways, like much longer and, you know, the football season and the start of hockey and just like all the, the, the coaching surge, like it's just been a tremendous off season. I've had for all the craziness and all the spaces and we've probably done in eight months, we've probably done definitely over a hundred spaces shows. Um, you know, it's been, it's been fun. And I feel like the, this, this UMass Twitter group is really, is just like such a, thriving ecosystem now and the pod is, is, is this is now I mean this is technically if you count this as our first episode kind of of the season like this is the start of our sixth year as a podcast we've done like 80 ish episodes 85 maybe um and hundreds of spaces shows and uh five college movers have been there pretty much from the jump um and now we're here you know you wait for me, and I've said it a million times, you know, I'm a broken record to some extent, but this is my team. This is it for me. Uh, you know, I'm excited for the World Cup. I used to be a lot more into the national team and didn't make the World Cup in 2018. That made it a little hard, but there's other things I get excited about. You know, if the Red Sox make deep run in the playoffs, I'll, I'll, I'll find that old spark again and, you know, whatever. But, you know, the Knicks, if they're ever good again, I'll be back into it. But there's nothing like this for me. And, you know, the amount of time I've put in, it's, it's, it's bizarro. You know, it really is. But it's been all worth it, and it's been really fun. And there's been so many great people I've met along the way. And I'm honestly like, you know, I hate to get uh, a little emotional here, but, you know, we're, we're – you know, two nights shy of, of a major midterm election. Um, and I note that because I think the theme now nationally, whatever side you're on or whatever, as we've all gotten all fake ass polarized and shit or legitimately polarized is, you know, sort of the future of the country and, you know, future of democracy. And, you know, there's some very scary stuff out there to an extent, depending on, your worldview, I think, you know, there's some real shit at stake here. I've been pretty open about where I stand on this. I've never in my life said there's, this is the biggest election until this, this week with this one. I note all that only as a backdrop to the fact that I think the antidote to um, polarization and all that shit is community. People coming together, despite their disagreements, despite whatever's going on in their lives and just basically rooting for a team. And in this case, I think it's especially unique because it's not the Patriots, right? Like if you're ride or die for UMass basketball, you are part of a, a, a right now, part of a fairly small crew. You know, they're, they're, we number, you know, in the high hundreds, maybe thousands, if you extend the circles a bit in terms of diehards, but you know, this is like where we get together for 30 times a year. This is our, this is our thing. And we've got the Harvard game this year with, 
you know, the takeover of their gym. And I hope we do the same for the URI game at, uh, on um, January 14th. So get your tickets for that. And I hope to see people at the A-10 tournament. But, you know, this is it now. And I think throughout the year, like so much happens on UMass Twitter and it's all fleeting. It's, it's, it's all like hard to remember. You think back on, if I asked you like, what was the biggest thing last year or whatever? I, you know, I don't even remember at this point. Like you lose your shit, you get it mad, you get in feuds, you get in. And like, I think people just need to remember that this is a fun thing and we get emotional. It's water under the bridge ultimately it's just something we love and care about. And as a result, we meet a lot of people through it. Um, or at least I've been fortunate enough to. And as the season goes on, it can be, it can be stressful, man. Like, you know, like people are always like hitting me up, like you, why don't you do a show at this time? And I'm going to try to keep a more regular schedule, but you know, it's like just other shit going on and you know, why didn't you, you know, people are sending me shit. Like I heard this on campus. I saw this guy, especially last year, I think it was stressful, man. Like there's a lot of toxicity around the program. I think, you know, after that McCall loss to um, Duquesne, it was like the beginning of the end in conference. And it just was like, I don't even want to fucking deal with this. It's, you know, it's, the weather gets terrible and all the miseries of like a bad college basketball season in a dormant, morgue-esque Mullen Center and 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 just all the toxicity around the McCall situation and it all becomes like just makes it less fun and so it's I'm hoping this year is like we're able and I, I know I'm gonna do the opposite at times but so we're able to keep some joy you know and and find the fun in all this. And I just really desperately want success, man. I really do. And I I got to say, like, you just look at this roster and, and what, what, you know, because I think some of my question marks in the offseason were like, how good is Matt Cross going to be? And the answer, like, everyone says is, like, better than we ever expected. And, and I expect him to be quite good, right? And, like, Noah's really legit. He's a second-team all-leaguer. And Wildens, Levesque, and, and Conte are just two absolute beasts on the blocks. And and TJ's a great shooter. And DeAndre's gotten better. And Tafara Gapare could be one of the most exciting players we've ever had here, eventually. And Keon Thompson is tough. And, and RJ Luis is smooth and there's just a lot of pieces. Brendan Martin is, you know, is, is, is a veteran guy who can, who can throw his body around. Johnny Thompson has some skills. Like there's a lot of pieces here. And I just so hope that, you know, in the first eight or 10 games, they can be good enough that, that their talent overcomes whatever inevitable, you know, challenges come because, man, even if we have an 18 or 19 win season, which would be great, right? You'd take that. You just don't want it to be because they couldn't quite get their shit together against North Texas or Towson and they lost by two. And, you know, like, you just don't want to enter the A-10 tournament at 
19 and 11 when you might have very well been 22 and 8 type type of good, you know? And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think like, and again, I'm not going to predict more than 18 wins, but I think the talent is there to do some special things with this group. I really do. It took me a while to come to that conclusion and I may change my mind after tomorrow night. But I just hope that, you know, we are playing really meaningful basketball games in February and March. And that like, it is the thing that we are, that I'm looking as forward to a game on February 20th as I am to November 8th or 7th or whatever tomorrow is. That's my hope because I think that makes being a fan worth it, more fun, makes the shows better. So we will see you tomorrow night as uh, Joe Buck said. And uh, enjoy the season, everybody. Peace.